Hello. Heaven high. Nick is a pain, everybody. I just want everyone to know that. I think they already do, don't they? Probably. This is episode 133 of the Rum Doings podcast. Do you have Pod- anything humorous for the number Pod- 133, Nick? Pod- Pod- Stop. Pod- Stop talking. Podcast at and you can send us a tweet at rumdoings. If I remember, 133 was a significant number. Wasn't that the speed of some sports to modems? <laughs> Very significant. As one soon as we've started, as soon as we started recording, one of your employees is IM to me. Could you have him fired, please? He's fired. That's it. He, I've thrown him on the street, and he's now at the mercy of Ian Duncan Smith. Good. Which is good because um, the topic today is: Should all pensioners give their bus passes to charity? <laughs> good. How are you, John? You sound a little tired and disconsolate. I am. I'm a little headachey, which is sad, obviously, for everyone. Have you been drinking coffee again? No. Why are you headachey then? Brain tumour? Yeah, probably a brain tumour. That would also explain how come I'm tired, even though I slept like nine hours last night. You're sleeping so much. Soon you'll be sleeping 28 hours a day, and then you'll be dead, basically, because you'll never be conscious again. Well, it's, I don't tend to sleep nine hours a night. That was a special treat last night. I can't sleep nine hours or eight hours or even seven hours. because you have a baby. No, it isn't. I will just sleep six hours and then I will wake up. It doesn't matter if I if I somehow manage miraculously to force myself to be unconscious by, say, half past ten, then I will be up six hours later. Ditto if I made myself manage to be unconscious by midnight, I'll be awake six hours later. It's as simple as that. There's no take extra hours to sleep. My body takes a sleep at once and then unsleeps. In this and in many other ways, you are like Margaret Thatcher. I am, but the problem with it is sometimes I feel like I would like to be able to have additional sleep, but my body says, no, unnecessary, I take my six hours, and that's that. I can certainly have less sleep if I need to, but I can't allow myself to have more sleep, even if I'm in a situation ideally uh, suited to it. For example, you know, I might it might be a Sunday lion, Judith hasn't woken for a long time, and she's chantering to herself or whatever, I still will be up. So that that's a problem, and it's it's not one that I relish. I've told you this before. I would love to be as I was in teenage years, where one could just gobble up most of the morning in semi-consciousness. Doesn't happen anymore. Sorry. Uh, well, I'm quite the opposite. I prefer to be in your situation, where I would wouldn't feel tired if it were just six hours sleep a night. Well, sometimes I feel a bit tired. But, well, you're old. That's why. But then, then I just go to sleep a bit earlier. But then I wake up earlier as well. But that seems to be okay. I think. What seems to matter is not so much how many hours of sleep I get a night, but when I get my first two or three hours of sleep, if you see what I mean. If it's before, if I get my first two or three hours of sleep before midnight, I feel better. Do you, isn't that, just imagine, just try to remember us, you and me, uh, how rare a night was it where we didn't see 3.25 in? Yes, well, there were all those special, what was the best time? I think it was 3.25. Yes, and you would see that on your little clock on your computer. Yes. That was that was just considered uh, a euphonious and nicely visible time. But that was our indication that it was bedtime. If we know, if either of us noticed that the computer clock said three twenty-five, and it's not like I didn't twenty-five have a job. Pa- twenty-five past three. I should yes, say, of course, that's right. It 20, exactly, it was fuzzy clock. But it's yes. not. It's not as if. I mean, you didn't have a job. It's not as if I didn't have a job and had to go to work the next morning. So, so I'm not quite sure what was happening there. It's just bizarre. 
I'm trying to remember what era this was. I think this was <laughs> the, the, was Pleist- e- the Pleistocene era. But it was it was it would have been early posy, wouldn't it? When you could have just rolled into work when you felt like it. Well, as you know, but in my, no, possibly before that Westminster or EasyNet, I guess. Well, if it was Westminster, you would certainly have to be there. Your exactly. Private school. Exactly, and you have to just turn up. And have to. I remember I had to, you know, commute on a number of different tubes and so on. There was no, there was no easy way of, of of getting in late. So no, it's just bizarre. Don't know why that was ever considered acceptable, but there you are. <laughs> we were I young. We were young. We were handsome. Yeah, I blame ICQ. Yes, that seems fair. Yeah, there's one thing that ICQ's chat did that I oh, don't think live has been chat. But yeah, I don't think it's been replicated anywhere no. else. Where you actually saw people's keystrokes as they typed, and you saw the words appear slowly in the same way that you'd see them appear as if they were in their own window, and you know that that gave an immediacy to it, which made a very big difference. It added a, um, an emotional tone as well that that text just brute brute sentences can't do. The, yes. the the pace at which something was said added something. The um, and you the see the mistakes, mistakes and yes, the, you see the mistakes and then the deletions and then the recreations and, and the strange pauses as somebody was waiting to find the appropriate word. Yep, absolutely. All that stuff is lost when we just dump sentences on each other. In yeah, one we, we, it's sort of you know we literally, literally poo words and sentences onto each other now. Literally. I actually do. I actually do it literally. I've developed a form of typing to prevent... It's like my fear of developing RSI. So what yeah. I do now is I just poo little tiny pellets onto the keyboard in the order in which I need to press the keys. Oh, right. That's very clever. So, I mean, you, I suppose you could, if you were very careful you and you had uh, a lot of indigestion, you could sort of poo um, braille. <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? Although I think it would be a bit unfair to whoever was reading... <laughs> No, but we hate the blind, remember? Oh, that's true. Also, how many times could you read? It would be a sort of DRM thing, because, you know, I think once you'd read... <laughs> once you'd read poo words, effectively, it would become illegible after about one or two readings. That is poo, word, poo words TM. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we should sell the concept to Amazon for their next um, Kindle DRM. That's an excellent idea. Yes. Well, that's been a classy start, as you <laughs> like to say. Um uh, what, what Laura on her blog says that everybody has to do a dance. That's because she bled out of her vagina. <laughs> you have to say that more elegantly. She um, she, she bled. She came to she from... came to fruition out of her lady mimsy. Her lady garden bore fruit. <laughs> yes. Oh no, that's more children. Surely, I mean, it would have to be her lady garden. <laughs> her lady garden. Well, I don't know. There's no easy metaphor for this, really, is there? What does a garden do that's equivalent to a, a human female's menstruation? Nothing, uh, really. Uh, her lady garden developed a weird blood geezer that, that burst work. forth from its soil. <laughs> her lady garden drained its pond. <laughs> suppose. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, now, now I have a... to put more frog spawn back in that pond. Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, she, uh, she said in the article how... Um, you know, not many women sort of celebrate this particular it's event. So it's a it's a topsy turvy world you live in. Woohoo! It's crazy. Hooray, Laura! You're getting all tetchy and grumpy. That can only be a good sign. She's very good, actually, that sort of thing. She doesn't tend to do the whole. If she does anything in that portion of her life, it's just get a little bit more uh, weepy. Weepy. Uh, does it doesn't matter what she weeps at? Is it certain television programs? Is it Dexter? No, 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 it's, it's, it's you, that the notion of her marriage with you. Exactly. Just general uh, fatigue with life. Fair enough. How's the science going? Well, I believe she's finished it. 
Just finished all the signs. Yes, that's right. Excellent. Well, I'm curious to read what all the science is. I'll probably get. I assume she'll write a book. She should she? be. I think she's just publishing a paper. A paper on mm. all the science. Excellent. Well, I hope it gets peer reviewed. There's no one. It's not really any point because all the scientists have packed their things up and gone home now. That's true. I, you, I'm very glad you didn't do the. Um, uh, and it was all sunny, so they said, Miss, Miss, can we go and do science out in the fields? Because, of course, that joke's now been banned by the uh, Geneva Conventions. It's a good joke. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's just... Is your dinner Gen- ready? No, that's just the Geneva Conventions ping. Just, just to confirm. <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid, that, I'm afraid that that joke is indeed um, no longer required. And I mean, made the point because you tweeted it. You have made it too many times on so many different fora now that... You, the only way you can get away with doing that joke in the future is if you do some amazing um, sort of pull and reveal on it. Miss, miss, can we do the miss, miss, can we go and do the thing on the field joke on the field, please? Yes. And it becomes infinitely recursive. That's right. That makes it acceptable again. Okay, good. So, Nick, I believe I've heard rumour that you are England's foremost expert on Johann Sebastian Bach. I, well, no, actually, what I, I'm the second most, because at last weekend, uh, we went, well, weekend before this, we went to see a talk about... Who are Mr. we? My father and I went to see a talk on not, Mr... Not your friend John, who is no. interested. Well, I think John now is just interested in shooting people and following men's asses. so I don't think he likes culture. And anymore. in the game... <laughs> now yeah. Belinda Carlisle circle in the sand. <laughs> yes, so um, it was a, it was a, it was a nice talk by the leader of the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment um, and a lady whose name I forget, but she was only a lady, so I don't really care. Um, Racist. Sorry, am I, am I boring you? Yay! It's been so long. Mm. <sighs> And it's also been quite a while since I made that joke. And my penis is enormous. Boom tish. Anyway, Bark. Yeah, so the so the the lady gave us some interesting historical performances and recordings and the the history of uh, the it was about the Brandenburg concertos in particular. And so I uh, need to say, can you please pronounce that again? Because I enjoyed how you said that. Concerto. Oh, I was. I was deciding. I was deciding whether to be arch and say concerti, and then I said no. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Good. So, so I said concertos instead. No, you said yeah. concertos. Exactly. I was deciding, and I, I decided liked it. it was like yeah. um, it was like a thing I can't bother to remember. Carry on. I, I, I was going to hypercorrect or not. Now, our listeners, if they, I mean, uh, the thing about the Brandenburg concertos is that every single one of our listeners, even if they hate classical music and never listen to it and don't know who Bach is and don't know what a concerto is, they've all heard at least three or four of them. Yeah, exactly. They they will have heard them. But the problem, but but but, but the thing about the Brandenburg concertos is, however many people have heard them, they really require listening because they are not what you expect at first listen. Now, when you hear them in the background of a furniture stores advertising <laughs> or when they're telling you about their Easter sale. Yeah. Drama. Exactly. And they're played slowly or terribly. Then they just sound like another tinkly bit of Ina Klein enough music. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's just part of that constant uh, stream of, of this is a, this is a, this is a classy period drama or this is some nice hold music. And 
Of course, they are substantially more than that. They are concertos. And a concerto, as we as was discussed, I mean, what does concerto actually mean? Where does the word come from? And what, what's the difference between a concerto and a symphony? Why are they called concertos? Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, the, it, it's, it's basically, the again, it's a nice, it's a, it's a pharmacon. Um, and as much as they mean two opposite things, and that gives a clue as to why these pieces work. Um, firstly, they, the word, you know, when you do something in concert, there's a notion of agreement and coming together. You know, okay. like, as the word suggests, you know, we, 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 you know, a concerted effort and all those sorts of words, which are, you know, I do know obvious. Exactly. So, so in a sense, it, that, 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 that reveals itself when you hear that they're all, a, they're a bunch of soloists together who are producing a group's music. In other words, it's not just one or two people doing their solo music and then everybody else is just an accompanier. It's a lot of soloists who are coming together to produce a whole, and that's the concert, concert or the concerto. Yes. But what it also implies is discord and disagreement, um, uh, the, where, where, where the word comes from. So you've got complete agreement, and you've also got the same word implying discord and disagreement, and that makes sense as well, because as you know, the joy about the Brandenburg concertos is that the piece will begin with a very obvious kind of statement of intent, if you like. Um, mm. And then as it develops, the soloists, in effect, start almost competing with one another and disagreeing with, disagree, one another. disagreeing with each other. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and he, made, he made the point about, and he showed us some of the structure of the music and the way that, you know... The, this is Bach himself who was leading the Yeah, yeah. He made the point, he showed the structure of the music was effectively, you know, you start with effectively a thesis... And then bits of the thesis would be discussed again, but in a slightly different way with some ambiguity. And then another instrument would kind of pull that thesis apart and sort of almost mock it. And then the other one would come back. And, and, and as one of the concertos was playing, he always made the hand gestures of rhetoric, you know, where he said, firstly, and then the music would play. And then on the one hand, on the other hand, but, but oh, but you forgot about this bit. And what about that? And, and you know, started almost showing how the argument progressed. And he said, this isn't a, mis- this isn't a mistake. At Bach's time, um, rhetoric was taught as a primary instruction at all schools. And the music became a kind of rhetorical uh, art de force itself. So it was almost like you were emulating rhetoric and dialectic and argument within the music so it's not just a coincidence that we see this it was built baked into the music from the start and this is particularly interesting in the fifth brandenburg concerto uh which is the most uh representative of this notion of discord uh and that's the one where you have the very very long um uh, very Peace. very very long yes uh or, or others as it's otherwise called harpsichord cadenza Mm-hmm. Um, where the harpsichord com- completely takes over the music. And what was interesting, and I hadn't actually noticed this before uh, until he revealed it, what is that harpsichord actually doing there? Well, if you listen to the beginning of the first movement of the fifth concerto, um, it go, uh, and you, you know how it goes, and so on. And then it ends, and that particular statement, if you like, ends. And then it goes, and, and you know, so you hear that first bit. That bit which you think is you know that that beginning which you think is repeated a lot of times actually is never repeated to its conclusion really again so you often hear again within the piece but it's never actually concluded like it is right at the beginning okay 
So in your mind, you're constantly, come on, where's the cadenza? Where's the end of that statement? It's like constantly breaking off and changing its mind and doing a bit of a rum doings, changing the topic and that kind of thing. <laughs> so by the, so as he said, when the harpsichord finally takes over, it says, right, you wanted a cadenza, you wanted a conclusion. Here's a conclusion. And it just goes completely crazy, as you know. <laughs> but it does actually end, it actually does bring everything to a conclusion. So it's like it's finally saying, shut up, shut up, shut up. This is how you do it. This is how we need to conclude this argument. And what was revolutionary about that was that never before had there been, you know, the harpsichord, which usually just tinkles on in the background and is effectively the rhythm and keeps time, suddenly took over the whole piece. And that had never been done before. And various people have interpreted that as almost a kind of Marxist, almost a revolutionary act that the, you know, the, 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 the humble kind of plodder along in the background suddenly takes over the whole means of production and overthrows the whole structure of the piece. Others have said that, uh, no, it wasn't quite like that, because if you think about who was playing the harpsichord, it was, uh, you know, it was usually the band leader. Bach would be playing it himself. But yeah. I don't believe that that's not because if you actually look at some of his letters, he was infuriated constantly with the various uh, margraves and bishops and so on who were messing about and saying, you can't compose this, you must compose that, and not paying him and all that kind of stuff. So I think that frustration certainly was there. And he, I think he even went to prison for a while after having a big argument about that sort of thing. Um, so, but, but an interesting idea which people have come out with was it's not so much a, a kind of revolution about re revolution on earth, but it takes the Lutheran notions that um, after death, everybody, every soul is equal. Right. And so at that point, and that's why all these instruments are given complete equal time, equal play. There's no um, important soloist com compared with somebody who's just there to um, be a, uh, a plodder in the background. So I thought, you know, lots of interesting ideas to grapple with in music, which itself is a representation of grappling with the interesting ideas. Now, as a part of this, breathe, course, Nick, be, breathe. As a part of this, I became interested in listening to them again because I haven't listened to them in a while, and nor have you. I actually have. In fact, uh, link. I think I can't remember when I listened to them, but I have. In a re I have recently. So there. Yeah, but but I started listening to them again, and these days, I mean, what, one of the joys of Spotify and other things is that it gives you the opportunity to compare mm -hmm. lots of different recordings. And this morning, I, I gave you an example before we started recording of a. Of a piece that of, of the Brandenburgs, which have been recorded by a group called Caprice, which are, I believe, Canadian, French Canadian, and they play on original instruments. And I compared this with a more traditional recording by Yehudi Menuhin and various others. And you hear the Yehudi Menuhin pieces is kind of slow and slightly plodding and just gets the work done. And then you play these pieces and it's much faster, much more sprightly and the dynamics are there. And it's almost turned back into the argumentative dance music that it should be. And I think it's worthwhile if you can, for those who do have Spotify, if you could do a URL link to the plodding version and then the new version of, number, of the beginning of number three and the beginning of number six. Um, mm -hmm. I gave you the links. And mm -hmm. I would suggest that everybody who listens to this podcast listen to at least uh, you know, 40, 50 seconds of both of those just so that you can see how different an interpretation can be. Because I think a lot of people think that classical music is pretty much done now. It's well-baked. Um, every, everything that can be said about it in a performance sense has been. And yet you get such unbelievably different experiences from listening to these two different pieces, which, let's be honest, I mean, you'd think you've got the scores. There's not much room for uh, interpretation or improvisation, but 
it certainly proves otherwise. Well, we saw in, I've just worked out when it was, it was 2001, we hmm. saw um, the, the, the Brandenburgs performed on their original instruments. Yes. And they certainly didn't play that quickly. So what's your impre- where's your impression that this is Bach's intention? Um, well, they were, they, I, my impression that it was, again, we don't care about intention, but I think if one were there, if one was sitting in the concert halls at his time, I think you would hear rather quicker tempi, and here's why. Firstly, they were written to be virtuoso pieces, and explicitly they were written for the soloists to show off. And to show yeah. off their and to show off their dexterity, and one of the people who would show off their dexterity uh, the most was Bach himself, who wasn't known so much as a composer, but was known as an amazing keyboard and organ player. And part of the Fifth Brandenburg Concerto was actually I've brought this amazing new harpsichord, and I'm going to show it off. Right now, you'd show off an amazing new harpsichord not by going tinkle. Tinkle, tinkle, and showing how dexterous you can be on it. It was also based on. Remember, these these bits of music were played in quite small venues. Um, They were not played in huge concert hall, and indeed, a large amount of Bach's music was actually played in the coffee houses. Um, There was a particular coffee house where he played a lot of his music. Sadly, most of that music is now lost to us. It's yeah. only the mostly the liturgical music because, of course, churches kept their records yeah. and so on. So that music has survived because you know when sorry, when you wrote a cantata for a church, then the church would you know put it inside its um, big church cupboard and keep it there for the next three hundred years. Uh, whereas a coffee house didn't really bother doing that. So somebody estimated that we might have between twenty and thirty percent of the music that wow. Bach wrote, and sixty to seventy percent, maybe more, is gone. Um, that's an interesting thing to to muse about. There may what be to the other. What happens to the other ten percent? Well, that's in an ambiguous state of people not not really uh, deciding whether <laughs> he wrote it or not. And of course, the great tragedy, disputed authorships. The great tragedy of the Brandenburgs is that he never got to hear it. Well, that's another thing that was discussed, uh, and he said actually it's not quite like that because of oh. course what what he did was he he used. A lot of the themes and the music that he did for the Brandenburgs, he actually used elsewhere uh, and earlier, and then reused again. So it's not like he it's not like he said, "Well, there's that, there's that amazing bit of um, counterpoint. Uh, I've sent it to the Margrave, and he's not come back to me. I'd better never ever use that music ever right, again because okay. I'll be sued for intellectual property <laughs> theft." Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, so he would have certainly used the best bits, but what? What's clear? What's not clear is whether the Margrave of Brandenburg ever did anything. It, what's quite interesting is that he he visited the Margrave of Brandenburg. who said, "Oh, this is this is great fun. Um, next next time you're down, why don't you send me some examples of your music?" And then I think he didn't. I think it was years before Bach responded to that, and he sent him these things saying, "Well, here's some pieces uh, for soloists to show a, a bit of my meager art. Please, if you want to play them, play them. And if, <laughs> if, if if maybe you want me to do a little bit more, you know, invite me over. Let's talk." And, and so it was like a, a, a job, a, a job beg. And of course, the Margrave didn't give him the job because I think by that stage he'd been annoyed by. He'd annoyed another bishop or something and wanted to get a new job. So uh, it's interesting. And of course, if if the Margrave had uh, if it hadn't put it in that particular drawer or just you know thrown it out or sold it on, then we would have never got them. Um, it's very capricious that we the bits of music that we do get and the bits that we don't. Yeah. So of course, we now, the two most important things to remember about the uh, the Brandenburgs we saw it was at the Barbican, wasn't it? Yes. 
Uh, the first thing is that we stood behind Sean Bean in the queue. Yes. Um, that's important to remember. And he just... uh, I, think, I think he was going to see something else, though, wasn't he? I don't know. I mean, I thought I think we stood in line with him, so I assume not. He was. Oh, uh, he, so. yeah. he just died in, in in Lord of the Rings, and so I was oh yes, very confused. Yeah. Yes, and then he. Um, and then the other thing, the important thing to remember is just how incredibly pretty the cellists were. Ah yes. Well, what's interesting is that at the um, I also saw a performance of of the. Uh, First and second Brandenburg. Oh, you stopped before the best one. Yeah, I saw that on the uh, the night before, which was again done by the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment, mm-hmm. and their double bass player was was amazing. She was about half the size of her instrument, yep. and and she was an interesting combination: half Irish, half Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Which I guess now must mean that's the best bass player. She was really, she was really getting into it and dancing with her instruments and performing in a way that she really understood the way you had to move with this music. And I have to say some of the viola players weren't quite getting it that way. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that was a very enjoyable thing to watch. Yes. But I do remember the, the cello players at the time. Yes. You, all were, ch- you, all you were a bit distracted, weren't you? Oh, <laughs> that's just furiously masturbating. We were watching the <laughs> Yes. Running. In time with the music though. So it's that's true. Um, all, ch- fi- all cellists, male or female, beautiful. I always wanted to marry a cellist and that thus, my life is a miserable failure. Do you know what? Uh, do you know what's scary? What's that? Is it ghosts? No, I'll tell you what is scary. I remember at school when I was, it must have been, I don't know, 40, 13 or 14 or so. And the teacher was, uh, the teacher, we were discussing uh, some, I don't know, some novel or something. And they were talking uh, and there was some sort of, uh, somebody who was attracted to somebody else in the novel and they were discussing how do people, what, you know, what are people attracted to? Is it their mind or is it their body? You know, it was the, the usual cliche things that one discusses as part of critical theory or whatever. And I remember I said, well, I, I would, I would particularly want, for example, to go out with or marry a cello player. Oh, right. And they said, why cello player? And I said, I don't know. There's just something about that instrument. I think it's the way, Somebody has to interact with an instrument. You mean wedge it uh, between their thighs? Well, it was something like that. I mean, you know, 13 or 14, of course, that's important. But it, but there is something about the cello. It's, it's not just a violin. And it's not a trumpet. You don't want them trumpeting on you, do you? <laughs> and violin viola players tend to be a little bit too snooty, a little bit too prim. Yes, exactly. Oh, the... Um, the the name of this double bassist whom you should uh, see perform if you are is Chichi Nwanoku. Okay, I made a note so, of it. So she's 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 very good, and she and the bass and the reason I bring her out in particular is that here's here's the secret, Jonathan. You fancied her? No, the the uh, I wouldn't fancy her. Of course, she's 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 she 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 she's got, she's Irish. She's Irish. Yes, I've got um. Is that bass is the most is the key to a good uh, baroque performance? I think because in later classical music, uh, where the whole orchestra was performing one melodic line or very complicated, ambiguous uh, um, counterpoint and that kind of thing, uh, you would listen to the whole the orchestra as a whole to get your bearing. Whereas with baroque music, what really drives it is the bass. And what's going on on the bass line, very similar to, um, you know, 12 bar blues and uh, and jazz music, where the bass is really 
the foundation for the music because you've got a bass line. It's not just simply one long uh, bass note that's the foundation for the orchestra, but it's the bass line that's the foundation for the movement and the uh, rhythm and the tempo. So between the bass and the harpsichord, they can decide pretty much how good your performance is or is not going to be. So it's worthwhile mentioning that uh, if you want to have a good performance, make sure your bass player is slightly drunk. Okay, and, fair enough. And preferably a mixture of Irish and uh, Nigerian. Nigerian, yes. Mm. So last night I, I suggested to Laura, after we observed something that I wish you to guess at, um, that we should perhaps kill ourselves as mm-hmm. this world is not for the likes of us. Hmm. Oh, is it? Well, I observed the um, UK Independence Party behaving like idiots. Sadly, like that. It wasn't. It wasn't anything nearly as highbrow as them. Do you think the UK IP are highbrow? Oh, wait, no, no. You wait till you hear what I'm referring to. So, did did you observe something that just disappointed you with humanity? Yes. Hmm. Was it? A waitress bucket there, the charity bucket that was just too full of the obvious choice. I haven't, you know, I haven't been to waitress in a very long time since I moved to the other side of Bath. Yeah, you moved waitress. to the worst, the worst side of Bath. Yes. No, I haven't. You I have. I've moved to BA two, which isn't you know yeah, exactly. have nearly as many murders as BA one. Exactly. So it's it's boring. Okay. So no, tell me what you saw. Laura and I watched Catchphrase, and it's accompanying commercials on ITV. <laughs> Good to hear. Or, or as it should be called, Kiach Friere. Not anymore, because it's really by some bumbling cherub creature. Really? Indeed. Why is that? I don't know who it is. Just some gawking, grinning idiot who I think used to do maybe children's TV on ITV. I don't know. Well, one of the few people who hasn't been um, found with a dearth of cream teas, I guess. I mean, well, he's 50 like... years too young. Yeah, poor chap. So... Yes, I decided as an experiment we would watch the entire episode. How did it go? It was horrendous, beyond in the extreme. Can you explain to our sane listeners what Kiach Fries is? Kiach is. It's what There will be plenty of Americans who don't. I don't know, I wonder if there is an equivalent in America. So in Catchphrase, um, they take three of the um, stupidest humans have ever lived. Yes. And stand them behind podiums and make them stare at a big screen in which... What's Mr. Chips doing? Do they still use an Acorn Archimedes to make they, the graphics? Sadly, they don't. They've updated to something from around 1998 now. Oh, excellent. <laughs> um, uh, it's all e- CGI e- nowadays. E- E-G-A-P-C. It's in 3D now. Um, and so there'll be a, a visual clue on the screen for... a. Not a catchphrase, but just some words. Just some words. So, for instance, he, uh, Mr. Chips, the yellow robot, might be firing a gun at the moon. And uh-huh. he would say, shooting for the moon. I just made that one up off the top of my head. That wasn't even one on the episode. That's how good I am at catchphrase. I could, I could write it. You could write it. Anyone could write it. A, a, bear, a newborn infant child in, an, uh, in a specialist care unit could write it <laughs> or or uh, or, or, or a, a candidate for the uk independence party no actually that would be beyond them that's true they would just get confused and just start saying we hate the blacks and then go oh i mean 
I love smear campaign. Everything. Yeah, how dare you smear? How dare I smear me? <laughs> um, yeah, and then there were adverts in between them as well. Oh, some so I haven't hideous. seen those adverts for some time. What some, are these so adverts hideous. like? Adverts I had to. I, it was so hideous. I had to force myself to change channel to channel four where they were showing Marmaduke for <laughs> the movie. Oh dear! And was it an enjoy? Was it an enjoyable advert? No, there were no there were no enjoyable adverts at all. But there were some that were just. Uh, his, I, I, I don't understand who to whom adver- uh, insurance advertising is aimed. It seems to be old entirely people, aimed it? at children. I thought it was old people. It's a children. It's like there's ones with puppets and there's ones with toy cats in which they say, "And if you get ten of this, you can have another toy cat." I'm hmm. fairly convinced that children can't drive or insure their property. <laughs> And all the advertising, there's ones with cartoons and nice sing-songs about, you know, based on famous tunes by the village village people. people. Yeah. And then there's just inane cartoon talking dogs and Martin Clunes, or now I note Dawn French has replaced him, in talking to a CGI dog about their hilarious lives. And then from that, I meant to want to insure my pet. Or house, or dog, fire. I want to ensure my fire. Well, it's interesting, and tell me whether I'm being too precious. I am being too precious, but tell me whether I'm being too preciously precious. Okay. And, and that is, uh, we sometimes will go to my grandmother on a Saturday night, and we'll watch whatever, we'll just turn on whatever pleb tickler's on there, mm-hmm. you know, for the telly, Saturday night telly. Exactly. And... Because we're watching live, and it's not something I do at any other time of the week. It's just, you know, grandmother's television. Of course you're watching live. Mm-hmm. Um, adverts will come on. And at that point, I've noticed Judy runs straight to the screen and puts her eyes about an inch away from the screen and stares intently at the advert. <laughs> and I, I, at that point, I now I, I mute the television to try and lessen the effect. And they are, my grandma says, oh, don't be ridiculous. It won't affect her. Don't be silly. You're just being neurotic, etc." Am I? What what do you what effect do you think is going to happen? I just think there's the enculturation into that sort of commercial uh consumer sensibility. Not in the ooh, look at me with my hemp shirt and free Palestinian ways, but you know what I mean. There's there is a certain distaste about becoming a little bit ITV uh and a little bit <laughs> and and succumbing to that sort of ITVness. You'll be like one of those families in the in the early eighties who banned their children from watching ITV because it's too it's too um, for the hoi polloi. Hoi polloi, hoi means the. So I apologise. Yeah, proving that you are hoi. Polloi. Exactly, very much. Of the. I was yeah. never. We, uh, I was. I was. I remember I had friends because I grew up in middle class Guildford where watching ITV was forbidden in the households. Well, I like that. I mean, today. Think about what you've got. You've got Sky One, and you've got all these awful uh, cartoon channels and things like that. I, I'd like a little bit more discerning telly snobbery. Judith should only be allowed to watch BBC Four and the Parliament Channel. Oh, she, she watches CBBS sometimes. I would imagine she watches lots of times. A little less because she's becoming annoying. Because <laughs> of course she want it, it once it's on. It must never go off. Exactly. And I, I have so many friends whose kids are just turning three at the moment and, and in the exact situation of uh, 
we've banned this particular favourite programme because there's this tantrum that occurs when it ends. Yes. I think that's it's... a tragedy. If that your favourite things have to be taken from you because you can't bear to be parted from Well, you. as an example, she watches My Little Pony episodes well, that's on... That's entirely Victoria's fault. Yeah, but she watches them on YouTube because those are the only places you can get them because apparently Hasbro don't want us to be able to buy <laughs> the episodes in any way at all. They... They're working very hard to ensure they get no money. Okay. So there are some episodes on YouTube. And believe me, Victoria looked high and low, and it's like there's a concerted effort to ensure that they get themselves no money in the UK, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she'll watch one episode, and then, of course, she'll want to watch the next episode and the next episode. And she'll even, she'll, you know, she'll, on the tablet, she'll scroll with her own finger and press manically, <laughs> you know, some sort of... Uh, uh, hentai, My Little Pony remix or something <laughs> that she has to scroll down to. And... And the thing is, you know, you just can't end. The moment you stop the episode and say, right, it's now our bedtime, it's time to eat, let's go and have a walk, let's go and play with your toy. No, no, no. And there's a massive screaming tantrum, head smashing, banging, kicking. I want more episodes. I want more episodes. So we've had to ration her and sort of, uh, she's had two weeks with no watching at all. And then we introduced one back to her. And then it was only one. She had a tantrum. We allowed her to have a tantrum and then uh, didn't watch another one. So it's it's, it's, it's difficult. Laura is exactly the same with the West Wing. Yeah, but she's going to have a problem. No, she she has has that problem. She's finished it now. I never finished it. I I didn't finish the last series. I haven't finished the third series. I'm I'm keeping those for 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 the death cancer years. Yes, exactly. And where everything will be better. Exactly. Did you um, watch Obama's uh, White House correspondence talk? No, I haven't seen it yet. I did see the the, the sketch in which he um, pretends to be Daniel Day-Lewis, though. Yeah, and, uh, and there he says, uh, I, I'm not the uh, socialist Muslim I once was. <laughs> yeah. It's very odd, that that, that, that little um, piece of culture that America has. It's incredibly precious. I wonder if they recognise it. Well, it's only on C-SPAN, so I can only assume they don't recognise how precious yes. it is. Not quite. And it's... I watched it, and it's interesting. If only Obama could be generally as good as he is in these moments. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Because he isn't. He just then folds himself up, puts himself into his little box, and everybody else gets on with it. It's <laughs> very sad. But you know, I suppose that's real. That's and he did make some comment where um, I don't know Michael Douglas or somebody was in the audience, and he says, you know. Um, yeah, you you had some comments about how I could do better, uh, and you did so well in your particular drama that you're in. And said, "Could it be that you are in some sort of liberal Aaron Sorkin fantasy, and I'm the president, or something like that?" So he, <laughs> there was a little, little um, moment which you might enjoy. Oh, lovely! Mm. So I sent you the link to the uh, bassist, whom you need to go and watch. So okay, you can do that. Did you see the link? I see the link. I didn't know whether I was supposed to click on it now. And you can see she actually is much, much shorter than her instrument. So I can imagine imagine her having to drag that thing onto a train or something. It would be amusing. (laughs) Yes. You're you're one step away from midget throwing. Well, she she was spotted age eight by an athletics coach and trained as a 100-meter sprinter, eventually competing at national uh, level, so you know. It's, it's interesting that somebody can be both a double bassist and a near Olympics Olympic athlete. I mean, there and aren't that be a many people at the same time. And be a titch. It shows you you can and, and Irish. Wow, extraordinary what they can do these days. Those Irishes. Yes, 
Diamond of Fiddle. Did she, a very, did she river a dance as she was playing the double bass? She both river danced and did some, I don't, well, I don't know, what's a racist Nigerian dance and banged her feet on a pot where she was cooking people or something. <laughs> Driving a boat. Is that all right? Is, 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 will, will that do? Can I be a candidate of UKIP now? <laughs> Stop smearing yourself. I did love that all their complaints about how they sort of say this is a dirty smear. I said, no, it's a it's a smear when it's not true. This yeah. is all true. <laughs> you, it's a dirty smear to reveal exactly what we've said accurately. <laughs> say stuff that we said in the past is smearing. It wasn't in the past. I, I love the fact that in the same week you had revealed uh, 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 a, a 9-11 truther, Holocaust denier, anti-Semite, a, a gay basher. He wasn't. Somebody, no, you mustn't say gay basher. He hasn't actually physically attacked anyone, but he's a nasty, vile little homophobe. A g- gay basher and a uh, and and an ex BNP member who had crept in. Like it's the crept, only one crept in. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, the UKIP, they didn't respond by saying, this is terrible, we must make sure that we have a lot of soul-searching. They said, you're being nasty to us. <laughs> I used to think, refer to them as the BMP with better PR, but I'm beginning to doubt the PR part. No, no but that's so. what I said. I, I tweeted, I said, hold on, UKIP, you're supposed to be the B, you're supposed to have better PR than your sister party. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but, but we are at the stage now, as I, I mentioned again on Twitter, that um, it's a bit like in the 60s and 70s where it became clear that smoking did cause lung cancer and was not a choice that you could make without bearing that in mind and after that point you could not start smoking innocently you know there were if you decided to choose to smoke you knew that you were entering into something cancerous yes into a cancerous relationship we are now unambiguously at that stage with the UKIP stupid people before would have had plausible deniability. Oh, I thought they just wanted to fight for our country. I thought that they just wanted bendy bananas, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> slight libertarianism. Now, it's very clear, you're voting for a far-right extremist yes. yeah, party. Absolutely. And there'll be no more of this, oh, I just wanted to, I didn't want to vote for the others because they're all the same, blah, blah, bendy bananas. There'll be none of that now. So you, you get full, unambiguous judgment now if you choose to vote for the UKIP. So this that's is, just my warning to you. Fair enough. And that's all very well and good. And and obviously people can't anymore. Who should... I mean, where should I cast my vote if I want to re- remove this ridiculous purge of straight bananas? Um, if you want to remove this ridiculous purge of straight bananas, then cast your vote with the Tories. I mean, they'll, they're going to be removing us from the EU, aren't they? Oh, gosh. And the European Court of Human Rights... And all those other uh, meddling Brussels from bureaucrats as <laughs> Brussels eat Brussels and bureaucrats, banana sausages, immigrants. It's the bloody immigrants. That's the issue, isn't it, really, when you think about it? What it all I comes down to feel, immigrant... I, I feel, I, I feel that I've certainly stolen your women and created your jobs. Damned, you've stole Victoria, a good British woman. Yes. And you stole the right to co-create a internet hosting company from a british person exactly and i created i created uh, <laughs> quite a few jobs which a british hang person on. should have done instead hang on i'm just trying to think some of the names of the people you employ songle that doesn't sound a very british name she's muslim what <laughs> this is what you immigrants do <laughs> you bring your sort along and you come in 
into our country, you create jobs, and then you give them to, to more immigrants. Other immigrants. It's only because the Brits are so bad at doing <laughs> that job. I have to say, she's the only competent one we've got. There you go. <laughs> Is that the only competent? Hang on, the only competent what you've got? I really want to get you in as much trouble as possible. The only competent Muslim, competent <laughs> the only Muslim. competent woman. The only competent Muslim women we've ever employed. <laughs> How offensive. Yes, I certainly feel offended. I'm going to vote UKIP now just to get rid of you. I, I'm okay. Unless, unless I get, actually, sometimes if I get a suntan, I may switch. Because <laughs> I might be a good immigrant. It's a bit like good aids and bad aids. Well, that's true. See, I'm a good immigrant. No, actually, no, I'm not a good immigrant. A... I'm. I'm I'm I I am blackened on the inside by my um, well. I was going to say Jesus killing ways. Yeah, exactly. On the outside, you're a good immigrant with your pearly white skin. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but on the inside, you're nothing but a dirty, hook-nosed thief. Exactly. I need to. I need to certainly um, go away and stop pretending to have had a Holocaust. That's right. So, who's the Holocaust now? I didn't hear this one. Oh, you didn't. Um, he, she posted a full invective, crazy nonsense on Facebook. Uh, one of their uh, candidates who had been arm in arm with uh, with the Farage. With Farage, yeah. Farage. Just, yeah, Farage. Of course, the most amusing thing about Farage, of course, is that his ancestors had been immigrants. Yay! From, in fact, they specifically they had been asylum seekers. They'd been Huguenot. Oh, wow. They've been Hugh. Why do you think the name Farage comes from? They've been Huguenot asylum seekers. They've been oppressed uh, in France and had fled here. Oh, makes me too sad to think that there's this degree of hostile <laughs> stupidity in existence. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, that's that's what you get with these. How do you? Stu- that's what that's what you get, John, when you allow stupid frogs to run political parties in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> that's you, you can should start- be by Brit. We should start a campaign to send that Nigel Farage back to France. Yes, Monsieur Farage, I live. <laughs> that's my. That's it. That's how we attack them. Yes, I shall. I, I, I shall sign off now. Are you? Are you off? I am off. You got somewhere better to be. I do. Well, I, I should have come to visit you at some stage, but you refuse to allow me to. I do. I, recently, that has been the case that I've been the one who's been busy. Can't you come to London or are you going to play that game? Well, I, haven't, I haven't got a thing in London coming up. I don't know. I'm just so busy and tired all the time. <laughs> I keep telling you, you're very welcome on Saturdays, but then you've always got some sort of thing going on, some sort of life that you lead. Somebody's ill or... Just collapses oh yeah it's always it's, it's almost yes the, the law doesn't want me to travel on saturdays because it's shabbat <laughs> that's true so he keeps he keeps cursing various people in my life t- to make sure i can't <laughs> for he is all merciful amen <laughs> shalom podcast at rumdoings.com i we had such amazing feedback last time i think we got two comments on your blog excellent no we got lots more than two we got two I'm sure we got more than that. Although, actually, you are quite bad in that you allow them to remain inside. The comments. Yeah, and so the people, of course, they don't. You are actually quite <gasps> the seven seven comments and holding right now. <laughs> John, can you can you actually look at those occasionally? Oh, I do it quite often. It's mostly spam, though. Um, <laughs> I need help. So... Hello, world. Generis Cialis Copsialis. Well, exactly. Somebody was making a very important, but it doesn't point even there. have a link. 
Uh, well, Cialis is an important thing to remember. Howappropriate.org. My mm. partner and I had a... Oh, it's actually a real comment with a link. Um, my partner and I had a bet on whether the title of this episode came from Judith or from John. I lost that bet. Sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> you see what you're missing by your horrible Nazi spam trap. Um, these are mo- they're mostly, um, what do you call it? Links, yeah. you know, people who've com- mentioned it on another site. Yeah. Well, there you are. That's good. Um, oh, how about That's this good. one? This is really interesting. You are a very professional blogger. I've joined your feed to stay up for seeking more of your wonderful post. Additionally, <laughs> I have shared your website in my social networks. That's from um, bride, comma groom, comma first wedding dance, comma dress, comma wedding, comma dresses, comma bridal, comma gowns, comma suit, comma comma marriage, comma suits, comma brides, comma oh. to be bride comma about a bride comma about a bride to be comma bride and comma i bride comma dress comma edding comma uh. wedding dress comma dress for wedding comma dresses for wedding comma dresses for a uh, comma edding comma dress wedding dress e i, su- I see so uh, that sounds like a foreign name to me <laughs> no wonder you're all blob banned them if you want to go and visit the source of this spam everybody it's number one first is it first with a one dancewarrington.co.uk one ST dancewarrington.co.uk let's all go there and leave them some feedback shall we <laughs> yes that was it there was only one legitimate comment of all those seven waiting podcast at rumdoings.com tweet us at rumdoings and I'll hereby say goodbye goodbye bye <laughs>